Welcome to How to Train Your Service Dog with Dream Dogs, and I'm your host, Victoria Warfall. Today, I'm going to share with you the five best tips for starting your service puppy. Now, the first few months with Gypsy were tiring. I was exhausted. She was such a handful, and we know what we're doing. We have a plan. We do this all the time. Uh, You know, this is what we do. We're professional dog trainers, and that's all we do is we train dogs, we train puppies, we train service dogs, we train therapy dogs, we work on behavior issues. It is dog, dog, dog. And that's most of the conversations in our household revolve around dogs. But I, I said numerous times, I don't know how regular people do this. You know, we had a, a plan for Gypsy, and the plan for Gypsy was she was going to be not only a service dog, but the best service dog and mother of service dogs. And we knew what we needed to, to do. We had our timeline. We knew what order to do things. And I was still exhausted from all of her energy. And now that we have Roma, Roma just turned five months old and she's a handful. Now, Gypsy's already a year, but you put them together and holy cow. I tell you, if we didn't have a system in place, if we didn't have our training binder, our lifeline, our index cards, already have Gypsy's training mostly done, we just need to work on some task work with her, I don't think I could do it all, especially with the job of working with everybody else and with their dogs and everything else. There's only so much time I can take for training up my dogs. And even with Rich and with Luke, who help out so much, you know, there's only so much time in the day, guys. So we wanted to share the five best tips for starting your service puppy so you can get started right and right away. Okay, your first tip is choose the best parents and breeder. Now, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Health and temperament testing are key. Okay, those are the two things, is health and temperament. You can't change those once the puppy is born. It's not like you get a dog who's in terrible health, and you feed it really good food, and it's going to make all that go away. Health and temperament are part of the genetics of the dog. So you want to make sure that not only is the dog healthy and Well, the parent's healthy. And that doesn't mean, well, the vet said he's healthy. That means that they've done genetic testing, which we just did on Gypsy and on Roma in preparation, and they're clear for everything. So that should be a priority, is to make sure you get that genetic testing cleared. Uh, And then health testing. So they need to get hips. Well, Gypsy needs hips, elbows, eyes, and heart done after she turns two years old. So we can do prelims now, and we probably will within the next few months. And then Roma is going to need, I believe it's hips and eyes and skin and I think something else. I have it all written down. But they need this health testing before we can breed them. And then whenever we're looking at boys for them to have babies with, right? We are looking for boys, preferably who are service dogs or therapy dogs who have amazing temperaments, who have their health clearances as well. And that's what they're called, these genetic tests and all they're called health clearances. Temperament. Now, you might not be able to find a dog whose parents were a service dog or both service dogs. And, you know, that happens. Sometimes you can't find where they're service dogs because a lot of people don't breed females who are already service dogs. But, you know, maybe she's a therapy dog. 
Um, maybe they, they're part of a program, part of a breeding program, and the goal is to breed service dogs, is to breed therapy dogs. So maybe, you know, her aunt was a service dog. Um, or, you know, the previous litter, a couple dogs went on to become fantastic service dogs. Okay? That's what you'd be asking about. Um, have any of them been service dogs? Have any of them been therapy dogs? Do any of them live with kids? How many have been returned for naughty behavior? Uh, how many have been returned because they were too aggressive? You know, these are questions that you should be asking a potential breeder. Lines. So you'll hear about breeder talking about their lines and their genetics and their history. So what's in those lines? Again, now these are like the aunts, the uncles, the cousins, the grandparents. You know, have they gone on to be service dogs? Have they gone on to be therapy dogs? Are they great around kids? Um, are they healthy? When did they die? If all family members were dead by the age of five by cancer, that's not a line that you want to be looking at. Because five is just not long enough. It is way too short. Um, and you need to know that. So when we were talking to Gypsy's breeder, uh, most of them lived to about 12, 13, 14. Now one of them did die at six because he was hit by a car. So while it's not okay, it's understandable that at least it wasn't that he died of cancer at six or heart issues at six. And some of these tests that you can do with your dog don't pop up right away. You know, some tests have to be done yearly because you might discover at eight years old that now it's an issue or six years old that now it's an issue, but it wouldn't have shown up beforehand. Okay, so your first um, tip is to choose the best parents and breeders. Oh, and here's another reason too, guys, is not only the health and the temperament and the lines and the history and knowing everything, but it's because you know everything, right? You know that the parents got the best care. The parents got the supplements that they needed. The mama got extra food while she was nursing. The puppies got the best diet from the get-go. They got the early socialization. Uh, they got all of that which is fantastic. It's not just, you know, like, well, we found this dog down by the dumpster and he was scavenging and he was pregnant and we found the puppies, but it's a golden retriever, right? So it's the same as yours. No, you don't know what that dog has been exposed to at this point. And while that dog will be a fantastic pet, you know, service dogs, they just, they're like Olympic athletes. They need to be a little bit more. Okay. Um, tip number two is potty training. Get it done now. Potty training is, if you get your puppy at two months old, which is eight weeks, it's still going to be at least four months of potty training. Now, if your dog is a miraculous genius, right, and your dog never has an accident, except for when you're not paying attention, it's still an accident even if you're at fault because you weren't paying attention. So you want a dog who can hold it if you're a couple minutes late getting to the door, if something else comes up. You want a dog who won't mess in the house, you know, who's crossing her little puppy legs because she needs to go out so bad. Um, you want to get the potty training done as fast as possible because the faster you get your dog potty trained, the faster you can start your public access training. And getting your dog out and about in those different environments is a huge bonus, especially if you can do it while they're young and while they're very impressionable. So you wanna be strict now to make it easier in the future, okay? We're gonna have a whole episode on how to potty train your dog because I get a lot 
of questions on how to do potty training. And so we want to answer them and we want to do it in just one podcast episode. Uh, we also have our book up on Amazon. Uh, I think it's the four steps to how to potty train your dog. Um, and we have our video in our online course as well, which is our perfect potty training system. But potty training is always a big question. For a lot of service dogs, what they want you to do is teach the dog to potty on commands along with pottying on the leash. Now, that doesn't mean that they aim and they pee on the leash. It means that while they're wearing the leash, they go potty. And why we make sure we tell people this is I've had some people come and the dog won't potty if he's on leash. So they have to take the dog off leash and let him potty. Or the dog only potties in his own yard and he doesn't want to potty when he's out in public which is a good thing, except what if you're traveling and you're not going to be home for a while? You know, you can't take a, a couple feet of sod and take it with you because your dog's not going to get it. Your third tip is socialization and habituation. So you want to socialize your dog. One of the common things that people say is 100 in 100. So your first 100 days with your new puppy, you want to expose your new puppy to 100 different things. So this might be uh, different surfaces to walk on, different smells, different sights, different sounds, different people, different things. I have a whole list and I will put it in the show notes for what you need to socialize your dog to, to your puppy to. And the earliest, so there's the fear period and that goes between four weeks old and 14 weeks old. That's the, the best window for socialization. After that is a fear period. So four to 14 weeks, socialize your dog with as much as possible. Now, if you get your dog at eight to 10 weeks old, you have four to six weeks to socialize your dog a lot, okay? And then afterwards, your dog might start to get a little bit fearful over things that used to not bother them. So what you wanna do for that is take it down a notch, make it a little bit easier. Show your dog that it's okay. You don't wanna just, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay but you wanna show your dog that there's nothing to be fearful for, which is why we promote getting your dog out and socializing and habituation as much as possible before 14 weeks old. Now, don't forget, you need to expose your dog to things like the vacuum cleaner while it's running, the dishwasher, washer and dryer. You know, these are noises that I know uh, whenever people get their puppies, they don't want to put on. They don't want to have the dishwasher on because it might wake up the dog. They're not going to vacuum. They're going to wait for somebody to take the puppy outside before they vacuum. Um, they might not have the washer or dryer on because it has that buzzer at the end and they don't want to wake up the puppy. And guys, that is a huge mistake. You know, just like a lot of people will get the puppy and then take off, say, maybe a week for vacation. And they're with the puppy constantly that first week. And then they go back to work. And the puppy is home alone for a while. And you don't want to do that. You want to make sure your dog can have and your puppy can have some alone time without you there. Maybe you're in another room while your puppy's in a crate. Maybe you just step out for a few minutes. But you don't want to be with your puppy all the time, even if your puppy is a service puppy. Okay? Which sounds really, wait a minute, a service dog is going to be with you all the time, right? then it wouldn't be a big deal. You know, like what if your puppy just doesn't like to be left alone and so maybe he'd make a good service dog? No, that's not how it goes. We don't want that. We want your dog to be confident, comfortable, and happy. And okay if you do have to leave him alone, not anxious, not having separation anxiety. And you also want to habituate your puppy with kids, kids of all sizes, little kids in strollers, 
to, you know, big kids, to older kids, to, you know, running kids, bicycling kids, you know, basketball, soccer, baseball, like everything a kid does. And the best place to do this is at a city park, especially if they have playground equipment. Or how we do the service dogs in training is take them to Disney because that has a lot of kids in it. Your fourth tip is begin training as soon as possible. And I tell you what, here's where a lot of people make mistakes. Well, in all of these, a lot of people make mistakes. But we added this one because we start service puppies in training as young as possible. So if you get your puppy at eight weeks old, we start at eight weeks old. If you get your puppy at 10 weeks old, we start at 10 weeks old. You get them at four months old, guess what time we start them? We start them right away. Why is because we want them to know this is their life. So their life isn't like I get to sit on the couch and watch TV and eat bonbons and do nothing. Your dog shouldn't be eating bonbons anyway. But we want the job to be you get to go with me. We get to go into places you will ignore people. And look how awesome it is whenever we get to go places together. Okay. The first three things that we train. You ready? You better write this down. Sit, focus on me, that look command, and name. We have to teach the puppy their name. And the order we teach them, it depends on the dog. Usually we'll play around a little bit with all three of them and see which one the dog likes best. Now, with Roma, which is our five-month-old standard poodle, I have not taught her a fantastic auto-sit yet. Usually sit is one of the first things we teach unless we're teaching a mobility dog. And Roma is going to do light mobility for me. So I am not training her that I want her to sit because I want her to have a default stand. So what that means is instead of always asking her to sit for things, I might ask her to stand or to touch. So touch her nose to my hand. That was one of the first things that we taught her as well. So then she can hold that. So I work right away on turning that stand, teaching the stand, turning it into a stand stay, along with focus and look at me and respond to your name. So it depends on what you need out of your service dog, but this is where having a clear plan of action comes into play. Because if you don't know what you're going to teach your dog, you don't know what type of service your dog's going to do, you don't know what tasks your dog's going to do, you don't know if you want to teach a default set. You don't know if you want to teach a default down or a default stand um, or how heavy you want to make that. Do you want every time I come to a stop, I want my dog to sit? That's what I train the pet dogs because it's fantastic. It's what I'll train uh, some of the other dogs when they come in for service dog work. But that's after we sit down and discuss tasks with the owner, what their ultimate goals are, and if that is going to hinder the task work in the future. And then for beginning training, we have another part to talk about too, which is marker words and timing. So marker words and timing is key in training your service puppy. You want to clearly mark the behavior that your dog is doing, and you need to have really good timing in order to do that. So the better your timing is on the easy things like sit and name and focus, the easier you're going to pick it up, the easier your dog's going to get it, and the easier it's going to be whenever you make it harder and you start teaching them more complicated things like brace, um, go alert somebody, stay with me during an event, turn on the light, or any one of numerous things that the service dogs can be trained to help you with task-wise. And our fifth tip 
for starting your service puppy is working in small increments. Guys, don't overdo your training. Do not do super long training sessions. You only want to do three to five minutes. Yeah, three to five minutes. Not super long sessions. You want to do three to five minutes multiple times a day with puppies. So this is what our day looks like with the puppies, okay? They're in their crate. We get them out of their crate on a leash, and we walk them outside, or if they have to pee really bad, we'll carry them outside, and we'll let them potty. So we hold on to the leash, and we wait them out. We wait them out, and we're boring. You don't want to play at this point. You just want to wait and wait and wait. Your dog will eventually potty, so wait for your dog to finish going potty. I mean, heck, you can even put it on key. Go out there and tell your dog, go potty. Get busy. Make duty. Whatever you want to call it. I use go potty. So you tell your dog, go potty. Give him a minute. If he doesn't start to go potty, uh-uh, go potty. And wait him out another minute. Uh-uh, go potty. Your dog finally goes potty. Wait for him to finish. Totally finish. Good potty, good potty. Maybe have a little treat. Good girl, good boy. Give him the little treat. And maybe play with him a little bit. So we usually would bring a, ten, a play toy outside. It might be a ball. It might be a tug. It might be a stuffy. You know, whatever. Whatever the dog is, is playing with and having fun. After the dog goes potty, because you want that dog to go potty as fast as possible. So the fun comes afterwards. It's like eat your veggies and then get dessert. So the veggie part is going potty and the dessert is the playtime after. Uh, after your dog's done going potty, then it's playtime. So you can play with your dog. You can incorporate that and make that into your training session. You can bring food out and make that into your training session. Or if you live in Florida and it's the heat of the summer and it's already hitting 90 degrees, you get back inside and then you can play with your dog. You can incorporate into a training session. You can feed him his breakfast that way, his lunch that way, his dinner that way. Um, have some extra treats as well. Just kind of combine it all together uh, and do your training session three to five minutes. Three to five minutes, you can get a lot done in three to five minutes, especially if you're working on sit, have your dog sit, mark it, right, break, and then toss a food, and then go get it, go get it, he got sit, come, sit, go get it, come, sit. So what are you working on right there? You're working on find it, come, and sit. And maybe look, maybe your dog sits and looks at you. So you're already working multiple things. Now, this isn't going to be your very first training session, but I want to show you an example of what it's going to look like. When you're done with your training session, you take your puppy back outside, let him have some water, let him go potty, and then you put him in his crate so he can think about what he learned, think about what you guys did, and he can snooze for a bit. Pretty nice, right? So if you have, say, a five-minute session, which is long, I said three to five minutes, plus, say, five minutes outside to potty before and five minutes to potty outside after, that's about 15 minutes that you're going to have to block off for puppy training. And then your dog will sleep for hopefully an hour. And then you get to do it all over again. Uh, sometimes you'll just go out and do a quick session and come back in. Sometimes you'll just go out and potty. You know, it's not like this is going to be... 20 to 24 sessions a day of training don't do that but you do need to give them that mental cool down period afterwards for them to absorb what you just worked on with them for them to understand it for them to process it and you know how your computer needs a reboot whenever it downloaded new software or maybe your phone needs a reboot when it downloads new software this is how your puppy gets a reboot
Okay. For adult dogs, five to 15 minute training sessions. Don't do long sessions. Now, when we do private sessions, our private sessions are about an hour. We do not work with the dog for the full hour, right? We work with the owners. We talk to them. We show them on the dog. They practice it with the dog. The dog gets a break while we talk about the next thing. And we want training to be a part of life, too. You don't want it to be, it's 3 o'clock, it's training time. Oh, training time's over now. It's crazy puppy time. Run around the house and parkour over the couch. You don't want that. You want it to be part of life. So where can you incorporate it? It's a lot of work, guys, for starting your service puppy. These are our five best tips. Choosing the best parents and breeder. Getting potty training done as quickly as you can. Socialization and habituation. Begin that training as soon as possible and working in small increments so you don't do super long sessions. Because you could. You could uh, blow out your dog before you even get him started. You know, and he's just like, no, dude, I can't handle this. This is entirely too much pressure. You don't want that. Um, which is why listening to the podcast where we talked about uh, the training binder and the lifeline, um, read up the stuff on the index cards. These things are so important so you can get prepped and it can be very overwhelming if it's just you doing this. And that's where we come in. So thank you for tuning into this episode of How to Train Your Service Dog with Dream Dogs. So, you know, I'm Victoria with Dream Dogs. Our website is dreamk9.com. That's D-R-E-A-M, the letter K, the number nine, dot com. And guess what? We have our exclusive service dog training program where we work with owner trainers just like you, helping them get their dog ready to be their service dog. So all these things, we cover all of them and so much more. Okay? Everything from choosing a candidate, a service dog candidate, right, which I call a service puppy, to basic advanced and off-leash training, public access training, service dog skills, service dog tasks, marker training, evaluations, and more. Now, we also have a Facebook community called How to Train Your Service Dog Group. I hope that you find it and join us there. I also hope that you subscribe to this podcast so you'll be informed of whenever we have our next podcast out. And I hope you check out our website and you contact me and let me know what you liked best about this podcast and what you'd like to see covered in an upcoming podcast.